Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Polova. And happy Valentine's from Romance Authors of Michigan. And our guest today is romance author Melinda Clark, who is a licensed vet technician by day and paranormal romance writer by night. At the end of the interview, Melinda will announce the details of her book giveaway of Love and Bloodlust, The Sacred Object. Hi, Melinda. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing great today. Excellent. So what attracted you to the paranormal romance genre? Well, honestly, um, I've had paranormal experiences myself when I was younger. Um, So I just kind of got into that world. And I've always, I don't know, something about vampires and werewolves. That's the stuff I like to read. So, you know, I, I have dreams Um, that are so vivid that I'm like, yes, that's a story. So I just started writing them. Okay. And how long have you been writing? I have like this book in particular, I technically started back in 2007 when my husband was on deployment um, and I didn't, I didn't get to finish it. Um, But in 2018, I finally decided, you know what, we need to finish the last half of this book. So it was the first one that I published. Um, and yeah, so I've been writing, I would say, uh, professionally for the last four years now. Okay. And so what inspired this particular book? This book, um, was, I had a dream, um, that inspired some of the characters in it. And back then in 2007, me and my friends used to film short movies Uh, We were going to turn it into a short movie, um, and that never got finished. So I ended up turning my movie script into a reading format. Oh, wow. I like that. I write scripts, too. Screenplays. Yeah. Well, how does your vet daily job, technician job, fit in with your writing? Uh, If if I mention pets or something in the book, I can always uh, do details on that, but... (laughs) Generally, that's, you know, what I went to school for. And I love animals and children and stuff. Um, But writing has always been my passion that I want to pursue further. Okay. And now a million dollar question. Everybody wants to know the answer to this. When do you find the time to write? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Besides being a a licensed vet tech, I have two children, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, luckily I have a stay at home dad, (laughs) so I, I can sometimes sneak away for a couple hours at a time and he'll let me get my time in. So, um, it's just, just about finding the time. People say there's no time for this, but you got to make time, you know? Yeah. Do you write daily? I try to, um, if I don't sit down and do like a writing spurt, um, I will, if I'm at work or something and I think of something, I'll put some notes in my phone for later. Um, so I, I'm at least writing little sections or ideas for later. Um, if not sitting down and, and writing a couple paragraphs at a time. So you're always writing. Can you say that about yourself? <laughs> yes. Um, e- even if it's not physically, always in my head, always oh, writing. <laughs> always thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So now let's get to your book. 
um, the major characters. Let's talk about them. The protagonists. Tell me all about your protagonist. Okay, so uh, the protagonist's name is Avery Langdon. Um, she's human, but um, because of some things that happened in her past, she has um, become a vampire hunter, essentially. Um, hunting the things that people think are not real, but have affected her life um, and uh, her sister's life as well. She takes care of her little sister. Um, the other protagonist would be the male lead. His name is Talon, um, vampire. So if you could see where this is going, it's a enemies to lovers kind of thing where they have to work together against a greater evil, um, even though she tries to kill him multiple times at the first beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this ancient evil, this old evil? Is this this Cain vampire? Yes. So, um, little spoiler, uh, Cain is a biblical reference to son of Adam. So, um, I, that is also something that came to me in a dream. So, you know, the devil makes a deal with Cain back when he is, uh, banished from the garden of Eden, um, to help him build the city of Enoch and stuff. So there's a lot of, uh, biblical undertones, but the trade was that, you know, if, when he died, he would become a monster and basically serve the devil. So he became the first vampire um, and her family in particular is a family of vampire hunters, even though she isn't aware of it. Um, and one of her ancestors uh, killed Cain uh, so many hundred years ago and someone is trying to resurrect him to have him regain his power and complete his work on earth. Okay, that sounds interesting. What was the biggest challenge in writing this book? Did you have to do some research or you made everything up? You subscribed oh. some? Yeah, there's some research, um, especially, you know, since it's more like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing, there uh -huh. is some action in it where, you know, she mm -hmm. has to go after some vampires and demons. So I say the hardest part was just coming up with... Uh, good action scenes and describing the action scenes where people aren't getting confused and it sounds like it could actually happen. So, so <laughs> a lot of that. Give us an example of a good action scene. A good action scene. Um, so my husband actually helps me with these too, because I I'm pretty creative with them, but he he's better at it. Um, so I give him the scenario. Okay, this is where we're at. This is how many vampires she's facing. This is the weapons that she has. Okay. You know, let's go from here. And then we, you know, we go straight like, okay, how are we going to attack the first one? And then lead into the second one where we just have to make it realistic that one person could take on three other people. Mm -hmm. So right. that, that, that's the hardest part. And then researching uh, different, different weapons and stuff was actually kind of fun um, because I'm, I'm not about like guns and stuff in this. This is about, you know, stakes and, and swords and uh -huh. daggers, blades. I'm a sharp things person. So. <laughs> so you had to research these weapons. So tell us about some of the swords that you use. I know nothing about swords. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, um, you know, it was just looking for things that she could have on her because she is in a city situation. Um, just certain things she could have like in a bag or hidden under a long coat or something like that where it's not obvious to um, other normal people who might see her out and about um, 
at night. Okay, what about the costumes? Did you have to do some research for the costumes or your imagination just went wild? My, yeah, my imagination just went, you know, I just went to, okay, cool, but still functional. She has to be able to move and stuff. So, you know, jeans, um, leather jacket, that kind of thing. Okay, that kind of stuff. So what is uh, the pay, uh, the book list? Is it like 250, 300 pages or? It is um, about 400 pages. Is 400 pages. So percentage wise, what do you think action takes up? Like half of the book or one third or? Uh, you I, would say, I would say about 10%. <laughs> okay. um, because there is that um, relationship between her and Talon that needs to be worked on. So yeah. there is the action in between. But uh, this book focuses more on um, her relationships, the importance of communication, um, strength through adversity. Um, and like I said, there are the biblical undertones where she questions, do I believe in God? And, you know, what do I believe in if this guy really is, you know, the son of Adam? Okay. So how strong is the love story in this romance, in this parent I would, romance? I would say it's pretty strong. Like I said, it's enemies to lovers. So she, he's advancing on her before she, she even considers it. Uh, she rebuffs him a lot. Uh, like I said, tries to kill him a couple of times, okay. but he's still, but he's still pursuing her. So he's pretty persistent. Um, good. so I, I'd say it takes up, um, a good, like 50% of the book is okay. just the dialogue and the, the relationship between those two. Great. So what have you learned about yourself from writing this book? I have learned that I definitely need an editor. <laughs> yes, we all need we all need good editors. Yes, a good editor. You just like they are a treasure yes. to have. Oh yeah. Um, a good editor, a good cover artist. Um, that you know, if I sit down, I can I can get get stuff done if I put my mind to it. You know, before I thought, wow, books, I can't, I can't write a book. I can't sit down and write a whole book. And now I've written seven books. So okay. it's just about, like I said, finding the time because there's always time. You just have to find it. Find it, right. And that's a challenge, right? Yeah. So who does your covers? Food. Your covers? Yeah. Um, so uh, a girl online, uh, she's from Germany. Her company is called Eerily Fair Designs. Mm -hmm. um, so she does a lot of the, the darker action stuff that I was looking for. Okay. Because um, my paranormal yeah. romances are um, like a darker urban fantasy kind of thing. So okay. um, they're strong female leads. They've got their dark moments, but I always write a happily ever after because I can't, okay. me personally, I can't read a book that doesn't end with some kind of happily ever after, even if it's in a series, you know, end it happily for that thing. But then the epilogue will lead into, okay, what's the next thing we're going to be facing? But okay. I have to have that happily ever after. I understand that. Yeah. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre? Um, well, I would say um, I've got a lot of situations in the book that I have personally experienced. Um, just death of, of siblings and stuff like that are in the book. So there is... Um, a few triggering situations, I guess, if you'll call them. 
um, the death of someone close to you, um, attempted, um, you know, men, men trying to force themselves on you and stuff like that. Um, our, my main character goes through all that. Um, but it's all about that strength through adversity, my strong female leads, you know, so it's, it's an adult series. Um, there is sexual content and language. And like I said, possibly triggering situations for other people. Um, but I, you know, I can, when I read this, I can see it as like an episode or a movie in my head. So oh, I think it's, I think it's detailed good enough to give people that visual Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, what makes it different is like some of these situations are like my own heart in the book. So what are the major takeaways from your book? You mentioned previously that it has biblical undertones. Yep. So, um, like I said, um, when she realizes, okay, Cain is the son of Adam and he kind of tells his story about how it went down in his view, um, how he got kicked out of the garden of Eden, um, the it's just the question of do I believe in God? Um, does this change um, my morals and how I view life? Um, the importance of you know communication and relationships, and just finding that strength even when you think it's hopeless through any adversities that come your way. So, what is the worst and the best advice you have ever received? in writing, publishing in this industry or movie making industry? Okay, um, I guess the the worst advice, <laughs> try to think, there's a few, but um, one I would go with is uh, marketing on Facebook is a horrible idea. <laughs> I've Why? learned that the hard Why way. Why do you think it's a horrible I idea? I think it's horrible. I, you know, I... Just unless you know the algorithms and the marketing thing is still not a strong point for me, um, then it's it's a waste of money to me to advertise on Facebook when I should be doing more research on marketing on platforms like Amazon and stuff where my books are available. So you'll get a lot of clicks. You'll get a lot of clicks on Facebook, a lot of likes, maybe some comments here and there. Um, but if you're looking for sales in your advertising, uh, Facebook is just not the right place for that. Okay. So you've learned that. How about the best advice? The best advice, um, in any of the above related fields or in anything for that matter, anything. <laughs> we all have to learn from. best advice is just, I think the most important thing is that when I would write, I would go back and nitpick at everything I just yeah. wrote. The yeah. best advice I got was to just keep writing and don't worry about all that editing and fixing stuff till you're mm -hmm. at the end of the book. Then go back because you'll never finish it if you keep nitpicking while you go. That has happened to me too. Yeah. All right. What is the most interesting thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author's event? Um, I really get flattered when people come up and say, Hey, I've read your books before, or I saw your books at this bookstore. Um, like when I was giving out my card, um, at the Lansing women's expo this last yeah. weekend, I was immediately getting notifications on my phone that people from Lansing were visiting my website. And so stuff like that really flatters me. I love meeting people in person. I feel like that's, it's just seems like a better way to, to talk to people and connect with them in person than selling your stuff online. You know, they get to put a face to the story. 
Um, and like this last weekend, I had someone take my picture, which is, I don't know, <laughs> it was a little weird, but flattering still, like they wanted to take my picture. That's awesome. So tell us, how did the Lansing Expo go? A lot of Michigan authors went to it and we're heading into the Grand Rapids Expo. So can you give us some feedback now that I have you here? Yeah, so um, there were 11 of us Michigan authors there, all different genres. Um, we were mingling, getting our names out there. Um, it wasn't as busy as it had been the previous year. Um, not last year, but the year before when they ran it. It wasn't as busy this year, you know, with everything going on, um, but it was still good. Um, we made, we all made connections. Um, we all got our, our work out there. And I think it was overall just a fun experience. Um, the only negative things is, um, you know, people walk by and look at your stuff and you say, hey, do you like to read? And they say, uh, I don't read or I don't have time. And I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of sad. <laughs> you don't read. That's sad <laughs> to me anyway. Yeah, it is um, sad. Yeah. So and that's another thing that I've I've realized after going to the Lansing Women's Expo is just how many people are on Audible now. People who either don't have time to read or they just aren't very good readers. They can't visualize it in their head when they read because they have to reread sentences. Um, I've been looking into getting my books on Audible for those people who have long commutes or, like I said, aren't very good readers and prefer to hear their stories out loud. Are you going to read it yourself, record it yourself, or are you going to have that done? I, I think I'm going to have a professional do it. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I, if I read out loud for too long, I start to stumble over my words, and I think I'll be doing a lot of editing if I tried it myself. And I, I think my my first book um, that I've put in, um, I've gone to the Audible page to, uh, you know, put my audition out there to see if I can get anybody to do it for me. Um, it looks like it's going to be about a 10 hour read. So uh, 10 hours on Audible. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of reading <laughs> out loud for it's me. It's a lot of reading. And I've heard that it can get expensive. That's it can. one of the reasons why most of us don't have audible books because it's cost prohibitive. Is that your experience? Um, I I am just now getting into it. So um, I'm going to put this book, The Love and Bloodlust, The Sacred Objects, will be my first book in the series. I'm going to try that on audible and see how it goes. Um, if it's successful, then I will put the whole series okay. and all my other books on there too. Excellent. How many books are there in the series? In your um, right now, I've got three available on Amazon, and mm -hmm. uh, number four is almost done. In total, there will be seven books in the Love and Bloodlust series. Excellent. All righty. Would you like to read to us? Yes. All right. So the section I'm going to read is just a little bit um, Avery recalling her her background, um, what made her become a vampire slayer. So this is um, her recalling that. Mm -hmm. Her mind went back to that night, 17 years ago. Her father had just finished telling her stories of creatures of the night and the heroic people meant to defeat them. After hearing the doorbell ring, her father left to go answer the door and Avery followed after him. By the time she had seen the man in their house from the top of the landing, he had already grabbed her mother and bit into her. 
Her father ran for the antique sword above the fireplace. With incredible speed, in half the blink of an eye, the monster went from one side of the living room to being in front of her father. Avery did not stay to watch what would transpire between her father and this monster, because somehow she already knew the outcome. Avery ran to her room and grabbed the sleepy toddler that was her sister. They hid under her bed, and Avery held her hands on Kyrie's ears so her sister couldn't hear a thing and become alarmed. She listened to the blood-curdling screams coming from downstairs between her father and the gurgled voice of their mother and buried her face against her sister. She never heard the monster speak at all during those minutes that seemed like hours. When all seemed quiet, Avery left her sister in their hiding place. Her small hands clutched the railing on the landing as she beheld the blood splattered all over the living room and up the walls. Her parents' bodies lay contorted on the floor on top of each other, discarded like trash. She would never forget his monstrous face, how horribly frightening he was with his blood-soaked form, clothing, and dark hair, his fangs bared, and those deep, soulless red eyes. That's when she knew that the monsters her father told her about, that vampires, had actually existed. But the police didn't believe her story about the vampire that killed her parents. Of course, this was before the Slayer organization had its foothold in the town. The police decided she was too young and traumatized to understand what had actually occurred, but she did describe him to a sketch artist. He drew fairly accurate picture, but they never found anyone of his likeness. Avery's resolve as a vampire slayer was to find and mercilessly decapitate the one who had torn her family apart. Avery shook herself free of the destructive thought as to not darken her good mood further. She noticed Talon had gone quiet on her. What about you? Do you have any family? No, they have all passed. You don't have anyone? Talon shook his head in response. Avery empathized. At least she had her sister. It sounds lonely. It's a lonely life without family, isn't it? He looked into her eyes for the first time that night, their icy blueness catching her off guard. It was a connection she couldn't deny. Their conversation was cut short by an echoing scream. They both froze just feet away from the front door of the restaurant. Did you hear that? Avery yelled. What, now she couldn't even go on a date without vampires interfering? And what a night to wear heels. Her feet were going to make her suffer later. She ran off in the direction of the cry. Talon yelled after her, wait, shouldn't we call the police or something? The majority of the time, when you hear a scream and go after it, you'll be too late the moment you get there. Tonight was different. The three vampires were under a street lamp on a back road surrounding the woman, toying with her. Does terror make the blood taste better or something? Or are they just sick bastards? Avery thought before overhearing their banter. Thank you. And would you like to give us the details of your book giveaway? Yes. Yeah, so for the book giveaway, I will give away a signed copy of Love and Bloodlust, The Sacred Objects. Um, the first person to email, um, my email is uh, author Melinda Clark at gmail.com and put in the title line podcast giveaway. The first person to email that to me will get the signed copy. And before we do our parting shots, I, I would like to thank our main sponsor, Doc Chavin. Melinda, can you give us your parting shots? What would you like to leave our listeners with on this Valentine's Day or on any day? Um, just, you know, if you want to escape reality, um, this book is for you. <laughs> and there is a series and it, it sucks. If you like the first book, you'll get sucked into the whole thing. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs>
And here are mine by Indy, read Indy and write Indy. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>